Vintage Horror Podcast, where we talk about all horror, not just the vintage kind. I'm your host, Kyle, and with me today, I have Mark. Hey, what's going on? Rob. What's happening, cool kids? And Maria. Hi, guys. Today, we will be discussing Cube from 1997, but first, we're going to crack cold and open with the boys. And girl, sorry. My bad, Maria. Please, please. I'm still here. Um, Rob, why don't you tell us what's up? So, not a huge amount, just a little small, tiny little thing. Celebrated my one-year wedding anniversary. So Congrats. that Yay! was that was Congratulations. awesome. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's it's amazing how fast a year can go by. Um, right. It feels like just yesterday. Uh, Kyle and Mark were rushing around with me last minute to do things which I should have done weeks in advance. So, yeah. Um, it's just crazy to me how quickly everything goes by. But, you know, in, in reflection, it's been a first great year of marriage, and I'm looking forward to as many more as I get on this earth. Well, who knows what it, who knows what the universe has in store for you, but I or hope until I get, she divorces I, your ass. That's also true. That's also Stop. true. But uh, I have faith. I have Fuck faith. you, Maria. You're next. um other than that it's you know i've I've mentioned it a thousand times before it's heavy 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 video game season we've got a lot of games out so that's pretty much what i've been trying to do uh the og Fortnite map is back which makes me very happy for how long who knows we'll see what goes on with that um in horror news which i rarely feel like i ever have anything horror to say on a horror podcast i'm not sure how that works but that's true um, yep you know, uh, for once, I actually have some horror stuff to talk about. The new Godzilla movie is coming out in theaters in just a couple weeks' time. And I know Kyle had actually shared a trailer with me. Um, and what I have to say, a couple things just off the bat. It's being received as the best Godzilla film since the original. Um, it's it's getting That's a not good then. It's getting a lot. <laughs> it's getting a lot of rave reviews, um, not just in Japan. But globally, so far, especially for like foreign journalists who've gone and seen it, uh, seems like from everything I've read and everything I've I've seen trailer-wise, it's gone back to its roots as a horror movie. Um, it seems to be embracing a lot of modern cinema technique, so it looks like it was made in the 21st century, which is a win. And it's getting a limited theater release here in the United States. So my buddy Chris and I, who has been on the podcast previously, we're going to be going to see it in IMAX when it comes out. And hopefully it lives up to the hype. I'm really hoping it does. Like I said, everything I've seen so far, it looks like we're getting back on track to it being um, a horror movie. Cool thing about it is it's actually set. It's the earliest Godzilla film set in uh, terms of like years. 
Um, the first Godzilla film is 54. This one's set in 1948. So it's only a couple years after the nuclear bomb. And that kind of... I kind of like that better because now you've got no modern weaponry, no you know, gizmos and gadgets from the future that could really help you out. It's Godzilla against like World War II broken Japan. So I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a good one. Um, other than that, uh, I finally watched Scream 6. About fucking time. Uh, I was under threat of uh, marital action if I didn't do that. So I 100% balked and did it. And uh, are we free to talk about that now? Can I talk about? I Scream fucking 6? hate you, bro. That was like a year. The movie's been out for like twelve years. I'm just saying. Are we still under an embargo for that? Like, I just you know, just we could have talked about it when it, when did it come out in March? I mean, you, <laughs> we could have talked about it in March, but we you just could've. didn't because someone here didn't see it, even though it was their like favorite franchise or something like that. It's not my favorite franchise. It's my wife's favorite franchise. Yeah, so that's she should have made you watch it. Yeah, that's my bad. I take the, I, I, listen. I take the blame for that one, hundred um, percent. I liked it. I liked it. Do I think it's the best scream? Uh, no. But I liked it. Did everybody else like it? I'm iffy on it. The middle's good. That's about it. Yeah, the middle's good. The beginning and the end are not good. Yeah. Um, I thought the beginning was a little wonky. The, I agree with you on the middle part. The middle was like, a lot of the middle and the kills and stuff were great. Um, I loved that Like you never really, even though you're in the city, you never feel safe anywhere. I kind of liked that feel, and I think that's just normal New York, honestly. Yeah, well, it, it was <laughs> actually a doc- it was actually a documentary about Manhattan. Um, but just uh, with regards to the ending, in case uh, you know, a spoil for anybody who's listening, like all three people that listen, including Travis. Um, Travis oh, we got listening. Steve, right? Yeah, Steve, yep. Shout out, Steve. Steve. There you go. The goat. Really one for him. Um, I, I thought the twist is lame. At the end, I wasn't a big fan. With the I think that's why me and Kyle both said the middle's good, the ending and the yeah, beginning aren't good. Yeah, I just I kind of sat there. I said, don't know how Maria feels about it because her headset's not very good, so I couldn't really hear her. Yes, I actually um, hated the ending of that movie. It was not. It was like very thrown together, like last minute. I don't know. It just gave me that kind of like mm, it wasn't well thought out. So I didn't yeah. care for it. But the rest of it was great. There were like four or five other endings that I thought of on the spot that I knew would have worked better than that. Yeah. Like that just That's was very, weird. I don't know. It was just almost like they were like, man, we're going to, ju- trust me, we are going to be just as clever as everybody who came before us. And it's like, no, you're not. Well, uh-huh. I think they tried to just like, I don't know, throw a wrench in there and thought like, how can we make this ending different? And then like, I guess that from the fucking beginning. Like or before the movie ever like came out, I was like, yeah, they're gonna have three of them like that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I just there's some things that I would have liked to have seen different. Um, I, I, it's clear what they might be leading to going forward, but you know they're always trying to reinvent themselves and do the unexpected. So if you want to be really unexpected, they'll have Stu just pick up the fucking mask at the end of the, or the beginning of the new one. <laughs> I was hoping that we would have seen a little bit of stew in this one. I thought or that like, he was going to be the tall one. I was like, hell yeah, bro, here we go. And or like Kyle's was- been saying for years, have one of the killers die during halfway through the movie. Yeah. Have, have the killer die, and then they're like, oh, we, we, we fucking got him. It's over, and then it's not over. Yeah, I, I, I think that'd be great. Um, 
it's like even when they were in the movie they were like hey uh oh this one like that's the tv that killed Stu mocker and it's like some say like you know if you believe he's he dead if you believe he's dead and i'm right. just like i'm like hey we're just breadcrumbing right there i said well, and i looked at my wife and i said well that was too obvious so Stu's not the killer I-, I wanted to be like your fucking fbi agent <laughs> you should know if he's dead i was <laughs> I w- when they brought back kirby i was like oh okay that works like said, well Apparently they only yeah. brought her on because Sydney didn't work out, so they said, "Fuck, we got to fill in the shoes." Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they said, "Hey, Penitentiary, you want to ha- you want a paycheck?" She was like, "Sure." You say Penn and Teller. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I what I said, uh, you know, Pembroke Farm. Oh, okay, that would have been a more interesting ending if they were in it. I love how they did that. Like, you know, when shows have to do like dumb retcon things. And like they do that aside moment where they mention a character or they make a phone call. Like I love how they're like, I just got the phone with Sydney. She's not coming. I'm like, yeah, okay, that was good. Thanks for reminding me that she's not in this movie still. That hurt. Appreciate that. Yeah, right. I wish they didn't mention her at all. Honestly, that's what that's what I'm saying. Like I would have been fine if we just ignored the fact that she was there. But you had to give me that painful reminder that she's in this universe but not here. Like, oh, she realized now after. Five, six films that her family's more important than anything, so she's not going to show up this time. She's like, fine. She sends her regards. Like, what? Uh, why would you throw <laughs> that in there when, like, you know, you guys pissed her off by not offering her the money she wanted? Like, I don't. Right. It's so because that leaves the bridge out there. That's the olive branch so you can come back later. She said hugs and kisses. XOXO gossip girl. See you. Olive <laughs> branch is just fucking paying her. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like, just, just, just pay her and get better writers. Thanks. We're good to go. So, but yeah, that's kind of where I am. Like I said, looking forward to some more creature features coming down the line and uh, counting the days down until Final Fantasy VII drops and my life is over forever. There you go. So uh, I'll bump it to, I'll bump it to our resident telemarketer, AT&T Maria. Oh, hi guys. <laughs> um, What have I been up to? Oh, so it's been very, very, um, we did it. We won the World Series. Uh, my whole life has been revolving about around watching the Rangers like every night. It's just been that way in my household. So we've been very excited about all that. Um, yeah, it's kind of taken over everything that I've been doing. Like, so just work and then, oh, a game is on. Let's watch it. Let's watch it. Let's watch it. So um, we were really excited about that. I did find some time to um, watch a new series on Netflix, which has been like everywhere. Everybody's saying that it's really good is the fall of the house of Usher. Um, I kind of binge watched that one and it's been really good. I really highly recommend it. Um, It's kind of nerdy. I love Edgar Allan Poe stuff and spooky stuff like that. So it ties in not just that one story, but like other of his stories into that larger series and it's really good everybody is like really like i've seen them in other netflix shows and um was at it first other mike flanagan so, netflix shows yes 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 like he uses the same people pretty yeah. much like his wife and other people in it well, but, my wife okay i'm stealing her <laughs> but they do a really good job of like making you forget about the other characters that they've played and they are really committed to playing their characters in this, in the show. Um, But it's creepy. It does have some really like scary elements. The 
the effects are really good. I really highly recommend it. If somebody's been thinking about watching it, you should watch that for sure. But yeah, that one was a really good one. An easy watch. Um, but yeah, that's all I've basically been doing other than working. Uh, what about you, Mark? We haven't recorded in a minute, but um, finally the actor strike is over yeah. as of like last night. So mm -hmm. stuff can finally be filmed again and people can post about other stuff. And so that's good because it's already November 9th and a lot of TV shows that come back in September or don't, didn't come back yet. Um, happy about that. Uh, like I said, when we last recorded, it was my birthday a couple days, like a week later. So happy birthday to me. I was 30, I'm 35. So happy only 346 birthday. more days until I see Taylor Swift in Miami. No big deal. Because I'm going to my birthday next year on October 20th, 2024. I saw the Aris tour, like I said, um, which I'm actually going to see again this weekend before it gets out nice. of theaters. Um, me and Kyle went to the Seaboy camp at Smod Castle or whatever it's called. I, I don't know how to pronounce it correctly. Yeah, Smod Castle. Rob said he was going, but he never got tickets. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> so, same, same yeah, event, different day. Yeah, for sure. So that was that was pretty cool. There wasn't that many people there. What did you think? There was like forty, less than forty. Less than forty, bro. There might have been like, like thirty, maybe thirty. Yeah, I think maybe 30. thirty people there. It was, but it was interesting. Um, I learned a couple new things about Sleepaway Camp. Um, it was just a different experience to see it live, I guess, with her uh, Felicia Rose talking, and then um, also this tomorrow I'm going to the Devils game. And because I start vacation at work next week, so I'm actually doing stuff. I was supposed to go to Dallas this weekend to see the Cowboys and Giants play, but I decided against it because I'm going to get tattooed next week, and that's going to cost money. So didn't do that. Uh, like Rob said, Fortnite brought back the old map. I've been playing that a little bit. Been trying to play Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but their fucking game still sucks, and everyone quits. So no Very different there. No different there. And then um. I don't. I don't think I did too much. Even though it's been like a month, I've been on. I think I was on call twice, right? Because we last recorded October eighth or seventh or something like that. So yeah, I think I've been on call twice. So I haven't. Like, there's been two weeks I really didn't do anything. And um, yeah, that's about it. What about you, Kyle? It has been a month, so I'll try to run through these real quick, so I'm not keeping everybody. Um, well, uh, that last time we recorded that night. Uh, that day I said I was probably going to go see House of a Thousand Corpses in theaters for the 20th anniversary, and I did. I wound up going. Um, there was probably like literally six people in the theater, so that was wow. pretty good. Weren't they yeah. doing something else there too? Like another 20th anniversary or 25th anniversary for Halloween that weekend? Or mm, I don't know. That was like a couple weeks before Halloween, so I, I don't know. They did The Exorcist. Um, but uh, yeah, so I saw House of Thousand Corpses. I love that movie. I feel like I love it even more every single time I see it. Um, and I notice more and more in it. Uh, of course, the Taylor Swift Eras Tour uh, movie w was out. I was actually the first person in here to go see it. No big deal. Don't want to, you know, brag or anything. <laughs> Did you stay up the whole time or no? Yeah, I stayed up the whole time. And <laughs> I know there's all the shit all over TikTok of all the theaters going crazy and stuff like that. Um, it wasn't like that mm -hmm. in mine. There was 10 people in my theater. I think 11. And two of them left an hour into the movie, uh, I went 
10 p.m. on Thursday. Um, the reason I was even able to go was because Wednesday before it came out, they were like, oh, we're actually going to release it a day early. And I was looking in the morning at work and nobody bought tickets. I was like, well, fuck it. I'm going to buy a ticket nice. and uh, we'll roll the dice and see how this goes. So Did you get fun. your memorabilia? I got a tin and then I got <laughs> a cup later on because they didn't have the cups because they were only selling a certain amount of each piece of merchandise, I guess, per day so that people oh, could get it every day sense. that they go. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, they, were, they weren't selling any more cups that night because I went 10 p.m. So, uh, mm -hmm. like, I got it another day. So, um, and I bought a second one <laughs> when we went and saw Sleepaway Camp live or um, mm. with Felissa Rose, like, doing the commentary live. And uh, But then I just gave that one to my friend Steve and his wife because his wife like Taylor Swift, so I was like, "Oh, here you go." I just needed a drink. Nice. Um, uh, saw our guy Travis, who came up from North Carolina for a weekend or a week or whatever the fuck he was here for. Um, it's nice seeing him. That's Old right. Travis I was a blur. I saw yeah. that. I saw that guy too. He's really cool. Yeah, yeah. You didn't see him the day we I saw him because you're an awful person and you told him no, I don't want to <sighs> see you, but. Well, he said, Dude. "Can I come over to your house?" And I said, "Not really." And then he's they just went quiet. <laughs> well, could have invited, could have invited me out. Sometimes that's how it works. Then um, I see all, was... then I see all crumble, and I'm like, "Oh, great! Where was my invite, bro? Thanks." It <laughs> was Mark's birthday. We went to Olive Garden and then Brownstone Pancake Factory. Happy birthday, Mark! Thanks for the oh, food. Thanks for the mm -hmm. invite. Uh huh. Well, anytime, mm -hmm. Maria. Whenever you want to come up, and then we'll take you to New York. <laughs> happy, happy, happy <laughs> birthday, Scared old Papa bitch. Mark. <laughs> Never um, going to New York. Um. Let's see. My job changed how they pay me, so uh, I hate my job. I was and working for free. I'm actively <laughs> looking for a new job. Cause whoa, 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 whoa! Fuck that. Uh, you can't say that on here. 1989 came out, uh, Taylor's version. So oh, yeah, you know, had been listening to that a lot. Uh, well, I had to Holy wait until Halloween was over, of course, because all I listen mm -hmm. to is Halloween music in my car. Let me cut you off yes. real quick. Kyle. Supposedly, Rep is either she's supposed to announce it tonight or tomorrow in Argentina. Oh, oh nice. Yeah. Um, she's performing right now. So so I uh, I still have to get to Target to get the vinyl from... I want the Target one because it comes with like one extra song or something like that. So I, well, the, I think there's a couple different ones. Which one would you want? The tangerine one? I there's think, like, I think oh, there's, there's more? I think there's four different colors. Huh. From Target? No, there's only the one. Uh, I only saw one at Target. Yeah, and uh, her other colors are all... They're just different covers, but it's all the same album. The one oh, from the Target. The fiction oh. is only at Target, then? Yeah. Oh. Uh, so I still have to go and get that. I just haven't done it yet, because I'm a busy body, and I don't do anything that I want to do. Um, I spent the weekend before Halloween up in uh, upstate New York. That was nice to get away. I had almost no service. Went for a hike. Had a blister on my fucking ankle, and it's still there today. So that's good. <laughs> Just an open wound. Uh, then Halloween. You know, all of our favorite holidays. I don't care what Maria says, mm -hmm. but that's our favorite Who's holiday. My around favorite here. holiday. Shut your mouth. I was speaking Spon for you. Spo sponsored by Halloween. I thought yours was Cinco de Mayo. Right. My bad. <laughs> oh shit, that's right. Or Dia, yeah, never mind. Dia, Dia de los Muertos. Yes, what about, what, about, what about Mexican Independence Day? Oof, yeah, that's a yeah, man. You're what right. About Los no, Hermanos? Is, you know we love five. we love Mexican people to make the best taco bowls over at Trump uh, mm -hmm. hour. You know that, right? Yeah. Well, y'all don't have uh, Mexican people in up up north, so you don't that's, even know. I you say that, but you'd be surprised, <laughs> honestly. Maybe even more than Texas, which is the crazy because they got like hundreds Cubans of thousands coming up every day. Puerto Ricans say are that to my it's uncle Victor and my uncle Jose growing up. 
I don't they're know who weekend. had those. But okay. <laughs> who, who my dad those are said were landscapers. My, my dad said they were my <laughs> uncles. They were not. Okay. Well, they were just felons, I guess. Anyway. <laughs> wow. Um, okay, Trumper. Uh, what? I didn't vote for Trump. Maria didn't vote. You didn't vote. <laughs> um. Anyway, you just, you just caught on to Kyle's game. You just um, caught on to it big time. <laughs> Good job. Uh, we, uh, yeah, we went and saw Sleepaway Camp. That was pretty cool. Um, I think it's worth doing again. I did. I knew most of the stuff that she was saying during it. Um, what do you mean do again? Like if she did another live commentary, you would do it? Yeah, I would go again. Like I think it was worth it. Um, it yeah, was I would. Pretty yeah, cool. for sure. I like the movie enough where I could do that again. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely want to try and do that at least once. That or the Prowler. I, I need to go up there and just do that. Yeah, I'm uh, surprised she didn't do it when she was at Texas Frightmare. I don't yeah. understand why she I didn't know. do it. Because yeah. what's at that movie theater, Alamo Draft House, is right there. Yep. It's really yeah, it's right across, across the, the street. Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh, let's see. Over the weekend, I coached uh, a jiu-jitsu tournament. Um, we did all right. It was a long fucking day. I got there at 8 a.m. and I was there till five. Uh, you know how that be. And then I guess besides that, um, our guy Brady said he might come up to New Jersey sometime. I think he's looking to have I'm a little bit of Jersey. a, yeah, down to New Jersey. Forgot he's not from Virginia anymore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, boys, he's look, looking for a little getaway. I just got to figure out when, and, uh, you know, help come visit Maria won't. It, that's just how it is. I guess. He's closer. Okay. Says who? I'm you like at the farthest point. You don't know where he lives. He, he lives in you recently. He doesn't live in Salem. What? He lives in Massachusetts. Yeah, you're right. Massive two shits. <laughs> uh-huh. Roasted them. Which is like oh. a small suburb in Texas. Yes. Yeah, kind it's of. Like, it's like Kyle, Texas. Just a little tiny town. I don't know. Tyler, Texas or Kyle? Oh, is that where There's all the Kyles Kyle, met Texas. up? <laughs> yes. <laughs> they didn't meet their quota. <laughs> they didn't? <laughs> no. No, but they did have like a lot of people that showed up. Like, it, was a, it was a lot. Yeah. It was a lot. I love yeah, it. It's not enough. That's, that's kind of funny. That's one of those few uh, moments where social media prevailed. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, there's besides all of that shit that I just named, there's nothing else really going on. Uh, I, I'm not. I, I don't know if anything's that's plenty, coming up dude. soon. That's yeah. plenty. Okay, Maria, sorry. <laughs> well, my is this weekend, but I'm not going. You're not going, right? No, it's yeah, it's this weekend. Oh. No, I'm on call. That, that's wild. I got my tickets. I, I want to go for Hayden Pettiteri. <laughs> Me going, too. But I, I can't go. I'll so. see you there, Rob. All right, yeah, I just I'm hoping she does August or March in here for us. Yeah, I just didn't want to spend the money honestly because like I'd have to meet her, of course, because she, she has never been around here for that. And then wait, who? Hayden Pinatar. She's doing a convention by us. Oh, she's nice. doing Monster Mania. Um, but also like I would have had to meet Nev again, and I'm like, yeah, I just don't feel. Like I need to meet her to still myself. to finish my thing, but yeah, mm. hopefully, Another hopefully. Time. And they added my guy from Mr. Deeds too. Yes, I just saw that. Fucking! I love he's that guy and Transformers, right? Transformers. Yeah. That's what he was in. Yeah, yeah. Which which actor? Who? He's the um the butler in Mr. Deeds. His very name's, um... sneaky, sir. Yeah, very, very sneaky. Um, Joseph. Um... Oh. oh, John Turturro. John, John Turturro. Turturro. Yeah. Joseph Gordon Levitt. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, he plays Agent. Uh, what's his name? Yeah, Smith yeah. or whatever. Oh, fucking! Sure. Rob's like, what? You said Transformers? <laughs> oh, fuck <laughs> it, fuck. That's good. It's a great movie. Fuck Mr. Deeds. Um, anyway, we'll yeah. move on to our opening segment, which is going to be he's run also by Mark. Car- so, for the, also for the for just just for a moment, he's also Carmine Falcone in the Batman. But okay, 
Oh, I didn't, mm. never saw it. So. I never seen it, so you just ruined it for me. I don't have to Thanks. watch it. You guys Great. need to get on the ball. Fuck you, Maria. Okay, I, I'm busy. Okay, I can't. Sorry, do I don't have. I stubbed my toe the other day and it hurts. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I don't have kids that force me to stay home all day. Yes, all day. <laughs> he still breastfeeds. <laughs> all right. Oh, by the way, uh, I went to Nothing Bun Cake and I got the Reese's cake and it was good. But guess what? Maria didn't tell me about it, so I had Oopsie. to figure it out on my own. Instead, it was oh, a limited sorry. time thing. It was around for one week, and I would have missed sorry. it if I didn't fucking go. Oh, and thank well, you, Maria, go. for giving me uh, Nothing Bun Cakes for my birthday. You're very welcome. See, you just have to be nice. <laughs> would have given it to me twice before. I'm always nice. I say thank <laughs> you. I would have told you if I remember. <laughs> right. All right. So our opening segment is going to be run by Mark. Take it away, Marcus. All right. So um, we've kind of been doing trivia for the past six months, like every time. So getting Mark's, sick of this bullshit. Mark's sick of losing. I'm give Rob so. a chance to win. Okay? There's fucking collusion going on. That's the and real I'm not happening it anymore. It's stopping my winning right there. It's under <laughs> under investigation. Rob almost mm-hmm. won last time though. He was that's close. why. We, that's why he's stopping. He's trying to prevent. We're me getting from the FBI involved. He was making a, if, if I had four more questions on there, that comeback would have been um, real. I want a congressional what? inquiry. <laughs> what the fuck is going on here? Uh, sabotage. Okay, why is it? What? Uh, All right, there it goes. No, my notes, like, half of them weren't there on my can't. phone. So I'm like, and I'm like, and then that finally popped up. All right, so yeah, so the other day I was um, on the Instagram, and I saw I was watching, like, um, it was, like, just Freddy Krueger kills. And I'm like, you know what? We haven't done, like, a top five of anything or top three. So I decided to do a, a top five of the whole Nightmare on Elm Street franchise kills. We haven't done that. We've done Friday 13th. I believe we've done Halloween before. So, and I think five's enough because there is like 38 movies. Yeah, but there, there's only like fucking three kills. And one of them, there's literally, I think, four kills. Are all what four of them are... good? No, I think they're all trash, honestly, in that one. <laughs> okay. So, how do you want to start this? I'll go. So, on my screen, it goes me, Maria. Well, depending on which way it is. You can just tell us what order you want us to go. And just so, it's going to go me, Maria, Rob, Kyle. Sounds good. Or, yeah, we do that. So, Number five for me, I feel like this is going to be on a, a lot of people's list, or everyone's list. Or, um, it's Jennifer from Nightmare on Elm Street 3, uh, Welcome to Primetime Bitch, when she gets smashed into the the TV. That's a great one. Mm-hmm. I used to have the shirt that said, Welcome to Primetime Bitch, or Welcome to Primetime. I don't think it said bitch <laughs> on it. I think you had that too, right, Kyle, from one of them, like Vegan Horror or something like that. It was Nightmare on Elm Street. No, I never had that one. I think I, I still might have it. No, I don't have it because it was like a bigger shirt. But I've always loved that kill. Um, if you look at a lot of lists online, a lot of people pick uh, kills from this movie. Um, mm-hmm. So, but I I feel like this is going to be on your list, or the other's going to be another one from Nightmare Three on all your lists. So, Maria. Okay, so this is my favorite franchise. I just um, wrote this four seconds ago. <laughs> well, it just popped into my head. I can name them off the top of my head. I don't even need to, need to look it up. No, my number five is Debbie Stevens from Dream Master. Now, she, ugh, it cringe, I cringe just thinking about it. She, that This is the one where he turns her into a roach. Mm-hmm. And it's like the most grotesque, <laughs> like the, the pure, um, special effects that it took to do this i mean it was i was in awe when i first saw that but then it's like 
going through this whole metamorphosis of her turning into this brooch. But then at the end, he just like stomps her out, like just like a little <laughs> thing. And I just love that kill. I think it's such a good one. Um, does he like squeeze it, the trap? Yeah, he does. Squeeze. I don't know what yes, he's talking yes, about yes, stomping he her. Yeah, I don't know about that. No, one. no. I thought it was the box he stomps her. You that's can right. check I'm in, sure. but you can't, can't check, check out. out. Yes, yep. yes. It's so iconic, and I love it. If Maria um, wrote any of this down. She would. Yeah. She would I'm telling you, it's off the top of my. <laughs> so yeah, this is and this is these are movies that I have rewatched over and over again. But it's been a minute. I need to rewatch those. But yes, that's know. definitely my number five. Okay. Sorry, passing it on. All right, Rob. All right, so so my number five is from Nightmare on Elm Street 5, Dream Child, and that is uh, Dan Jordan's death on the motorcycle. Um, Mm. I... I mean, it's I. I like this one specifically because I ride motorcycles. <laughs> yeah, but also like, <laughs> no way you do. That's any any time. Badass Maria. Anytime you have uh like body horror things where you have things like going up the skin and like things fusing to the body and stuff like that, it's just wild to me. And I mean, there are definitely way better kills, but I don't know. I just decided I like this one. This one was a good one for the fifth and. uh I mean, there's not much more to say about it. He's on a motorcycle. It gets up under his skin. His body gets all mm-hmm. contorted, and then bye bye, Dan. I think the only thing no, that makes it sweeter one. is that like he survived. I mean, that's kind of a recurring theme in Elm Street, but like he survived four only to just meet that very gruesome yeah. five. So yeah, you know, so you don't live long in the franchise. That's how that works. No, that should be the kind of tattoo you get, like a uh, mechanical tattoo. Like skin well, rip mechanical five. <laughs> no, mechanical skin rip tattoo for your first one. <laughs> but but if I'm not mistaken, five. right? Is it five? Five is the one that a lot of people don't like. I don't like five. Yeah, a lot of people don't like five. I think that shit sucks. <laughs> yeah, because th- it's know. not terrible. Cause Cause I, none nightmare. of them are. Only the new I, one is. Terrible. When I was thinking of the ones that I've seen, because there are, I think five is the one with like fucking four kills, literally like three or four. I think five, yeah, because when I was thinking back, like that was the one thing from five that really stood out to me that I remembered. But that's yeah. just because I'm a nerd and ride motorcycles. So, <laughs> all right, Kyle, give us give us your number five. All right, so my number five is from Dream Warriors, Elm Street three, of course. Uh, I'm gonna go with Philip Anderson when he's uh, made into a puppet with his veins. Uh, walk th- through. Uh, the uh, is that a hospital? Would that is that what it's a facility? But, I'll say. Yeah, um, it's a mental yeah. illness for mental. the mental. For the mentals. <laughs> the mentals. For my coworker who was just there. Wow. Um, I think he was watching okay. transgender porn. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, that's why they admitted him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but. <laughs> Uh, yeah, just the I, like it's not even the kill part really. It's what leads up to it. Um, obviously, like him. Well, what he sees is his. I don't know if they're tendons or veins. I think it's supposed to be like veins uh, get ripped mm-hmm. out of his skin, and they're mm-hmm. used as like puppet strings. Um, and he gets you know that that just imagery is so memorable to me. Um, I know we saw somebody at Monster Mania. Yeah, that I was one just about to bring like, that up. It was cosplaying cool. that that was. Probably one of the most unique cosplays I've ever That's seen. Awesome. Yeah, it was actually really cool. Um, so like, uh, but then I mean, he just gets thrown off a ledge. But like that part leading up to it is pretty sweet. Sweet. Yeah. So that's why it's uh, my pretty swift. Five. Yeah, pretty sweet. Pretty swifty. 
I just saved myself 150 bucks. bucks. All, right. <laughs> All right, Mark, what's your number four? So my number four is from Nightmare on Elm Street 4. It is Shelly. And when she gets sucked to death. And <laughs> her name is Sheila. She, what did I say? Oh, she, oh my God, I said Shelly. <laughs> Sheila, sorry. Shelly. Because uh, she was Sheila. Oh my God, Mark. She's like the virgin <laughs> and her first kiss is Freddy Krueger. First and yeah. last. Absolute yeah. accidents, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Want to suck face? Whoever suck edits face. this, put that in there. Want to suck face? Thank <laughs> Whoever you. Whoever edits this. <laughs> yeah. Well, we yeah, we ship it offshore because yeah, we the ship labor it offshore. <laughs> we do it on, <laughs> so on Fiverr. Uh, yeah. So then after, I like uh, he like sucks the life out of her, and but then the classroom sees her like having an asthma attack and she dies. I think it would have been corny if they saw like her in the dream like sucked out you know yeah. i don't know if that well, like also her. would have been like what the fuck is happening <laughs> yeah. <But> yeah. <laughs> and then he's like looks like you flunked mm-hmm. i just love freddy krueger because he has like the best one-liners and, yes. it is, and honestly i've been thinking about this like i can't believe none of us have picked one of them yet it's like my gold standard i need to yeah. it's like all of my babies like which one of my okay. favorites do i choose you like them more than your children okay <laughs> yeah your number four child. maria my number four <clears throat> is from dream warriors it's um and kyle's right there's like so many for me that i loved in dream warriors but taryn white um she's the she's the junkie yeah. that has the needles that ugh, and then like the track marks on her arms turn into like these little sucking mouths that are just like ugh. it's just great i love it it was like it was so there's some like i said that just are embedded in my brain and that's one that's like okay say no to drugs this is yet another reason why i never do that because it's like so seeing it as a you know as a teen i was just like okay yeah this is definitely i'm never gonna do it never gonna do (laughs) this is gonna happen to me so i yeah that's definitely (laughs) pretty cool gonna get you he is, I swear. So, yeah, that's my number four. It's Taryn. I want to be beautiful and bad. <laughs> All right, Rob, what's your number four? Um, so my number four is from Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, and it's Ron Grady's death. So the reason why I put that in there is because, like, his death is kind of, like, weak, right? Like, he gets slashed. Mm-hmm. But, like, the whole ripping out of the body part that leads up to that and like the whole emerging from the body uh what that is that mark over there raising his hand no, I'm I'm a oh okay <laughs> to make it look fake. Oh, okay um i don't know I, i'm i'm one for if in a lot of horror movies i like body horror like obviously the thing is probably one of my all-time favorite is like my, my all-time favorite horror movie um Apparently. so that type of body horror where you see like something transforming or emerging really does it for me. And it's mm-hmm. such a good effect. And for a movie that's art, I mean, I know it's pretty divisive, but like Elm Street 2 is wild in terms of just the crazy stuff that happens in that one. Why? Because it's a homosexual movie? Okay. Is it? <laughs> what? 
You I was thinking, funny. I didn't I realize it was poolside, poolside massacre, but whatever. I didn't realize yeah. it was homoerotic until, like, I think maybe Mark pointed out to me. And I'm like, what? I think it was <laughs> Mark. Like that's been gay. a thing for years. That like it's the gay Nightmare Elm Street. What's funny is okay, it was always Mark. my favorite, okay. and I never realized. And I'm and well, then I'm like, oh wow, this that is answers gay. so many questions. <laughs> well, I do love the gay Nightmare Elm Street. Um, <laughs> I love this movie. I know a lot of people don't love it. I I love Nightmare Elm Street. No, it's yeah. great. I just love how I love how just wild it is. Like it is. It's it, so it, like out there. And there's a lot of good funny moments too. I don't know. Yes. It's, well, it, he's yeah. the least funny in that one. He's the scariest in that one, and the most serious in that one. But that's what. I'm, but really... that's what makes it funny. I guess when something goes so serious, it's funny. And the and the main character, he's just like so. Um, he's goofball. got HIV, but show some respect. Yeah. Okay, he's a goofball. He almost gave it to me. Yeah. I oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> through, through the movie. No, when I met him in real life, with the he Freddy put gloves. The, the, the Freddy's gloves right to my throat. He said, okay. "It's it, brother." I'm serious. <laughs> Here's this a new, really happened. This, this is your nightmare. nightmare. You better check yourself. <laughs> he said, "Listen, um, I need seven more dollars." <laughs> True story. Oh, All right. Mind. Well, that was my number four. So, Kyle, what's nice, yours? Nice. My number four is from Nightmare on the Street 4, the Dream Master, and it is Joey's death, the waterbed kill. Um, again, it's not it's not one for, like, it's the kill itself. It's the imagery of, like, when they find him in the waterbed. Like, mm-hmm. that is so creative, and mm-hmm. I still don't understand how the fuck they did that. <laughs> how do you wind up in the waterbed? It's really good. He was swimming. He got yeah, really hot. How'd that girl get in there? Like, yeah, you know what? It was hey, I girl been, of his dreams. I would have been jumping in too. <laughs> he just held his nose and jumped right in. Yep. So uh yeah, that's that's it's that simple. I know I just like the imagery and I think thought it was pretty creative for them to pull back back and like see him in the bed. So yeah. all right, Mark, what's your number three? My number three is from Nairman Elm Street Four also. It is Debbie at the Roach Motel. Um <laughs> Just because of the beginning, she's like pumping weights and her arms like break off and then they fall mm-hmm. off and then you see like the 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 cockroach arms flop out. Um, Maria touched on it before. Um, and there's just some c- good like one-liners, you know, him, like we said before. You can check mm-hmm. in, but you can't check out. And then when she's like <laughs> stuck to the glue and then like her oh, yeah. face pulls off, mm. uh, I'm like, oh my god. Yeah. So, um, yeah. J- Nightmare 4 is like one, is, is like I don't know I like there's so many of them that are good that like I love oh. Nightmare Four and I know a lot of people don't like Nightmare Four but I love it. It's one of my favorite ones with two. So Maria, number three. My number three has already been touched on, but um, it's Philip Anderson from Dream Warriors. Um, that one is just yeah. I mean Kyle nailed it. It's just iconic. It's so. Um, it's so creepy. It's so well thought out. You're in the moment when you're watching it and you just don't even like you don't even realize what he's doing. And then when he realizes it, it's just such a great scene. I love it. <clears throat> it's definitely um, uh, not so sorry. Hold on. <clears throat> sorry, COVID. guys. Sorry. No, it's not. Um, gave her COVID. <laughs> just kiss him all the time. Uh, no, it's just a really good scene. I love it. It's so, um, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. I think uh, we've seen other movies that 
do it. But I feel like that's the first time that I had ever seen something like that. So it was just iconic to me. So I love that. One. I love how like Very Joey well. wakes up and sees it like him walking and you don't see obviously in the real world his veins are just ripped out of his body so he's just like yeah. looking at him, looking, yeah okay what the fuck is he doing <laughs> they really were ripped out dude yeah <laughs> he died after this movie right that was it rip this is a stuff movie mm-hmm. right a snuff movie that's what i said a say snuff. A stuff this is a stuff movie the stuff people died in the stuff yeah 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 love the movie yeah all right, Rob, what's your number three? Uh, probably no surprise. It's from Nightmare on Elm Street 3. It's uh, Philip Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, nothing I can really say there that doesn't that's not already been echoed. It's just sick. It's awesome. Um, it taps into uh, the kind of like body horror that really makes me skeeve. Like when you see skin get cut and things get pulled out like, Oof. and you see yeah. things outside the body. I don't know. It always does it for me. <laughs> So what that and needles needles do it for me too i was mm-hmm. gonna put i was gonna put terrence on there but like terrence kind of freaks me out a little bit i think the one of the worst things i mean just a brief aside since i don't have much to talk about in terms of philip uh from, in the saw films when she falls into the pit of hypodermic needles yeah i almost Ugh. i actually uh, almost vomited like in theaters i oh i almost straight up vomited in theaters i had a panic <laughs> attack i 100 had a panic attack i had a, all growing up i had a deathly fear of needles for some reason I would have panic attacks getting blood drawn. It just sucked. So when that scene happened, mm-mm, mm-mm, nope. Yeah. Never again. So that's why I said like the Terran one is kind of mid compared to that like level of fear mm-hmm. triggering. So mm-hmm. I think in terms of memorability, definitely Phillips is far more memorable to me. Yeah. All right. Kicking it to Kyle. My number three is from Elm Street 4 again. Dream Master for those in the know, and uh, it would be Sheila. We already touched on this when Mark brought it up. So, I mean, I just love the imagery of her body deflating like that, and then of course there's one liner like "want to suck face." Like I love that. <laughs> so, yeah, Mark, what's your number two? My number two is from Nightmare on Elm Street two for Freddy's Revenge for people in the know. <laughs> it is Coach Schneider. Use like the man butt. <laughs> Dude, my guy's getting whipped by towels. <laughs> it's one of my favorite kills because growing this up, guy. I watched this movie literally, me and my friend John watched it like every day. And we had no business watching that. Mm-hmm. We'd be watching that part. I and know. Like, this is awesome. This guy's getting his ass beat. Like, and it's so like BDSM or whatever. BS? Yeah, yes. BDSM. Yeah, like, I don't know. We kn- I had no idea what any of that stuff meant or. And uh, Freddy takes over uh, Jesse in that scene. And just him, like, getting whipped by the towels to death in, like, the shower. Mm-hmm. It's always been one of my favorite kills. Almost been my number one. <laughs> and then pelted with balls. <laughs> yeah, but before that, he's, like, he's trying to get out of the coach's room, too. Yes. And, like, all the stuff is hitting him. Like, the tennis rackets, electrified and stuff. But it is one of the best. Or one of my favorites, yeah, I should good. say. Maybe for the nudity. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The male the nudity. Ass. Mm-hmm. The male mm-hmm. because there's not really much nudity in Nightmare on Elm Street, so mm-hmm. no, I can think about it. Oh, the man, that's all good. <laughs> what about you, uh, Maria? Your number two, my number two is from uh, Final Nightmare, it is Spencer Lewis, the video game. Mm. So, that one is definitely it was in my wheelhouse as a kid. I was, I mean, still love video games, and that was just like 
when I first saw that for the first time, I was like so excited to have my two worlds mesh. Well, you, you, know? couldn't, you couldn't afford the power glove back then, right? Um, speak for yourself. Okay, I was an only child, so I pretty <laughs> much got whatever I, what I needed to entertain myself. Um, yeah, so that one was one that it was, uh, it was so perfect. I, uh, well, it's not my number one, but it was almost, it's like right there. So um, I loved everything about it. It was so creepy. It was like his safe space. And then for it to get taken over, that's like your worst fear. Um, I love that part. So anyway, that's my number two. I have a pin from that part of the movie um, when Freddy's in the video game stomping him. It's like yeah. <laughs> fucking that, like Freddy, like stomping. <laughs> I, I love that. Like, oh, I love yeah, it's dude. one of my favorite pins, honestly. I, I should That's get it tattooed awesome. on me. That's so great. I love that part. All right, Rob, what's your number two? So my number two is probably one of the most iconic kills in the franchise. Uh, and that's from the first Nightmare on Elm Street. And it's Glenn Lance. Uh I just think it sets a tone for how wild and gruesome some of these kills will be going forward. And while I don't think it is the most gruesome, it was definitely one of the most shocking at its time put to film. Um, you know, it's also Johnny Depp, which is cool, but you know, uh, it's like a, one of those kills that whenever somebody says, Oh, did you ever see nightmare on Elm street? It's one of the first kills that always comes to mind in terms of the franchise. Uh, and the effects are really awesome. And it's one of those things where I, if you watch that movie and then you lay in bed, you just kind of start thinking to yourself like, Oh God, that's mm -hmm. wild. Like, I don't know. It, it, it definitely gets inside your head. Um, I think that it would have been my number one had my number one, not had more elements of the stuff in horror that I like. Mm -hmm. um, but definitely probably one of the most iconic kills in the entirety of the franchise. So that is my number two. Go ahead, Kyle. My number two is Glenn from the original <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, I love the imagery of blood gushing out of a bed that he was just sucked into. Um, obviously, everyone should know that they built this rotating room just for this effect. And in the beginning scene with, uh, forget yeah. her, yeah, Tina. Mm -hmm. um, and it went horribly wrong when all the fucking red water hit uh it actually caused the room to shift to one side and all the room or all the water rushed to one side uh it electrocuted a couple crew members uh and they wound up using this set again in the stuff which we just established is a really great movie so great movie. did we though uh, yeah i think we did it is no um, question again like rob said one of the most iconic kills in the franchise i would say probably the most iconic um, and yeah, I love it. Mark, what's your number one? My number one is Glenn from Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> because the first thing, like Rob said, when you think of Nightmare on Elm Street, this is the first kill I always think of. Um, and then when you know the mechanics behind it, like Kyle just said, how they built the room just for this. And they, I think they said they had like basically one shot to do it correctly with him. And it's Johnny Depp. And obviously he's like one of the biggest celebrities that's ever been in Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, not the time, but obviously now. And, yeah, I can't really say much more. You guys both just talked about it. I'm sure it's going to be on Maria's list coming up. <laughs> no, I can't. I mean, I don't know. But Sorry, man. I didn't mean to talk about it. It's all good. <laughs> so, Glenn from Nightmare 1. Maria? 
Okay, so my number one is Johnny Depp. Glenn wow, <laughs> that's weird. That is um, 150 bucks. Just, if you want to know my thoughts, just go ahead and rewind this about 15 seconds, <laughs> and you guys just got all of that in there. So yeah, my number one. Why did you talk about it? Oh yeah, wow. in my head. <laughs> gotcha. Never not talking about that scene. Yeah, you're right. So, being that two of my favorite uh, horror movies from this time period are The Thing and The Fly, it's probably no surprise that my number one is um, Debbie and her lovely, lovely roach attire from Nightmare on <laughs> Elm Street 4. Um, the, I mean, a lot was already said about it. It's been said by all three of you guys on your list, I'm pretty sure. Well, maybe I don't know it was on Kyle's list. It was on Kyle's list. Kyle's list yet. It was on uh definitely definitely my favorite and it's because of first of all it's a long kill it it takes a while and like mark said the breaking of the arms just first and foremost the breaking of the arms the effect and just the look is enough to just if you've ever done anything and like worried about breaking something like that just the imagery just just gets under my skin and then Mm -hmm. you know this is just two years removed from the fly and the transformation that Jeff Goldblum goes through in that. And oh. obviously it's not as good, but mm-hmm. it's in the same vein of that. Just watching the body mutate into something that's not supposed to be. Yeah. And then you th- that would be bad enough. And then like Mark was saying, like once you put the glue trap in there yeah. and you have like the face peeling and you have Freddy's eye looking in and it zooms out. And it just says like <laughs> the, the roach hotel. And he just delivers that solid one liner and when he squeezes it, all the goo and glue comes out too. I don't know. This the whole sequence does it for me. It's it to me. It is the perfect example of what the franchise becomes, mm-hmm. right? Like when th- this this franchise, it, it, where Freddy is this malicious killer who gets inside your head, figures out what your weaknesses are, exploits them, torments you, tortures you, and then decides to snuff you when he's ready. And I think that that, to me, is why it's probably my favorite in the franchise. So, um, Kyle, what was your number one? So, this might come as a surprise to you guys, <laughs> but <laughs> um, I'm gonna he- go gonna go ahead and say that my number one is from Freddy vs. Jason when oh the guy gets stabbed <laughs> by Jason with a machete in bed and then folded in half. Okay, yeah. It's not even Freddy doing the kill. Well, and you know what? <laughs> He's just not as good as uh, other people. I don't know what to tell you, man. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not going to ask you twice. <laughs> unfortunately, in his own franchise, uh, he doesn't do the best kill. You know, in that movie, he only killed oh, one person. Wow. Kelly Rowland. Himself. Kelly Rowland. No, Jason kills Kelly Rowland. He smashes oh, her with the, the machete and she flies Oh, yeah, the tree. he's doing that. The only person he kills is the, the, the stoner, brother, right? The no, the brother in like the flashback. <laughs> oh, that's right, because he has Jason doing all the killing for yeah. him. Because he needs to get yeah. every fuck. And then when he goes to kill people, Jason always beats him to it. He's like, "What the fuck?" Man? You know, there's so- a metaphor there. <laughs> Freddy's saying, "My franchise is dead. I need you to revive it for me." Yes. Aww. So <laughs> that's my favorite. That's so <laughs> and funny. if that didn't count, then I was going to move all of them up, and uh, Jennifer was going to move into slot five. Okay, that's gotcha, what we're going to gotcha. go with. <laughs> that's what but, we're going with. No, we're going with Freddy vs. Jason. That's so that was, um, <laughs> on you guys. So that was Nightmare on Elm Street. 
<laughs> 39 years ago today it came out. Yep. Yay. If you count the limited release. But mm-hmm. I think it came out the 16th of November in 1984. Remember, remember in the 9th of November. Yeah. So. All right. Well, that wraps up that. We will move on to the main event. The main event this episode is Cube from 1997. It was released, well, it was premiered September 9th, 1997 at Toronto Film Festival. Has an R rating and a runtime of an hour and 30 minutes. Estimated budget of 365000 Canadian dollars. And worldwide, it grossed $565,000, which I'm not sure if that's American or Canadian. That wasn't specified. Uh, it holds a 7.1 out of 10 on IMDb. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has 63% on the tomato meter and 76% audience score. And on Letterboxd, it holds a 3.3 out of 5. Um, obviously, this is a Canadian film. I say sorry a lot. It was filmed in Canada. Sorry. Um, Canadian actors. And I guess the special effects company um, that did the special effects to help uh, show their good will towards <laughs> Canada. I don't know. They did the uh, special effects are free. The, um, the, uh, the computer, the CGI effects at least. Mm-hmm. Um, the director was or is Vincenzo Natali, which is weird that he has a very Italian name because he was born in like Wisconsin or some shit <laughs> like that. Like, so, or maybe Michigan. Detroit, Michigan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it makes no sense to me, but, um, he has done splice the ABCs of death Two, tremors from 2018 in the tall grass, uh, two episodes of the sand miniseries from 2021, three episodes of the strain, six episodes of Hannibal. He also wrote this movie, uh, with a couple other people and, um, we'll move right into some of the characters. We have Levin, played by Nicole de Bauer, Boer, Boer, Bauer, de Boer, de Boer. Okay, what are you all fucking French now? Um, I, obviously, Indeed. she's Canadian, and uh, she was in the Dead Zone TV series, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Prom Night Four, Deliver Us from Evil, and then a bunch of small TV roles. Quentin, played by Maurice Dean Wint, was in one episode of the Friday the 13th series, and then a bunch of other small TV roles. We have Worth, played by David Hewlett. Uh, he was in The Shape of Water. He's probably the biggest actor on this list. Um, he was in The Shape mm-hmm. of Water, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Scanners 2, The New Order, one episode of the Friday the 13th series, uh, Splice and Cypher, which were both you know directed by Vincenzo Natali. So I think they had a good working relationship. I want to say somebody specifically, or maybe they were friends or something like that in college or... They knew each other ahead of time, somehow. Uh, Yeah, David Worth was actually... So, Vincenzo, he had to get the funding for this movie. And he had to do, like, a 20-minute short 
for like producers to show him to mm-hmm. show them what he had mm-hmm. and from his, the strength his real name it's the name oh of the i'm movie. sorry david hewlett yes <laughs> i was like david wait hewlett. what <laughs> david hewlett was the main actor in that short so i know that they had known each other before this yeah. and um so he was kind of already connected with him that way too yeah. Well, I think they knew each other on a personal level, or oh. Hewlett knew somebody personally that knew Natalie. Uh, mm. I, I'm pretty sure they were friends before this, though. Like they grew okay. up together, or like were in high school oh. or college together, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Ren or the Ren, who was played by Wayne Robson. He was in Survival of the Dead, The Incredible Hulk. Wrong Turn 1 and 2, and the NeverEnding Story TV series. I don't know why he looks so familiar to me. He uh, does, right? But I look through his stuff, and he 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 almost reminds me of, like, um, a mix between that, like, not troll guy, but he's the small trollish guy from the NeverEnding Story, mm-hmm. and that older guy from uh, Return of the Living Dead. That's what he reminds me of. He does, right? Because he's his, dead in real life, bro. Shill. Yeah. Well, now he is. Um, <laughs> I think he died in like 2011 or something yeah. like that. Um, we have Alderson, who you don't even really know his name unless you read his shirt or mm-hmm. look in the credits. Um, he was played by Julian Richens, who was in Bo is Afraid, The Umbrella Academy, All Hallows Eve Two, A Christmas Horror Story, The Witch, Survival of the Dead, as well. Uh, Saw Four. Dead Silence, X-Men Last Stand, Wrong Turn, Urban Legend, and Mimic. I love Mimic, by the way. Wrong Turn, Three Finger, right? Yep. Maybe we should do Mimic 1, 2, and 3 in a row. No, we shouldn't. Oh, I've never seen them. Wow. Uh, we also have Holloway, who was played by Nikki Wadangi. Nailed it. I don't know what it. you're saying, but don't do that. From Ready or Not <laughs> oh, and Silent Hill. And with Almost all of the cast was in the RoboCop TV series, and all of them, every single one of them, was in at least one episode of Forever Night, which I guess is some horror series. Um, you know, Canadians run in the small circles, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of this movie was filmed with a handheld camera, which by this point in filmmaking, I think, was not the norm. By any means, and uh, all of the rooms in this were just one cube that they reused over and over and over and over. Mm-hmm. And what they, they would do is change the colors, yeah, right? and they would do one color at a time. So, like, they filmed all the red first. I forget why specifically that, and then they moved on from there. Like, um, I think they said the red because it was the majority of the dialogue-heavy scenes. I think it wound up being that way. Uh, okay, but uh... it wasn't necessarily that's not necessarily why it was something about the color of the gels was the easiest or hardest to deal with or something like that mm-hmm. yeah and i guess like getting to white like all i gotta do is just clear it all out yeah mm-hmm. so and uh yeah we'll talk about more stuff as we go along so we'll jump right into the movie a guy named alderson he wakes up in the giant cube uh shining white light like is coming into it. Uh, he goes over to a hatch in the middle of one of the walls and opens it, peering in to see an exact copy of the room he's in. But it's just the light's a little bit of a different color. I believe orange, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, 
he does this or no maybe it wasn't orange maybe it was a different color but he does this a couple of other times he looks into other rooms and he finally uh, climbs into one and uh, a giant screen type thing swings so fast he can't even comprehend it and it dices him into pieces and his body slowly begins falling into chunks a la Resident Evil before Resident Evil happened the same yeah. kind of effect Pretty a uh, pretty good start to a movie though. I mean, in terms of effects wise, they yep. set the tone set the tone early. Yep, and then we get the title card cube. Pretty, pretty self explanatory. Yeah, and they're pretty quick. Like, um, I don't think there's like opening credits really. I think it's just it hits that and then it just goes mm-hmm. right into the movie. Yeah, I feel like throughout the movie there's not a lot of wasted time. There's some transitions that are dragged out, but in general they try to move. Yeah. Sometime later, another guy named Quentin climbs up from the floor uh, into a white cube room where he finds Worth and tries to wake him up. Here's someone coming in, and when Holloway pokes her head through, Quentin pulls her into the room with them. They hear yelling from a neighboring orange room, and Quentin goes in to help bring Levin into the white room. Holloway noticing how scared uh, of the orange room Quentin looks. So I think she assumes that he knows something. And then from the ceiling, uh, Ren climbs down from another room. So we have, what, five people all in the same room all at once uh, now. And very quick, quickly, you you know, no, I think about it's four. Quentin, Worth. Well, because then after, I Ren, think the last Holloway, one is the slow guy. Levin. But that's five isn't right the, now. Isn't he the last one to come in, though? Not yet. He's not in yet. Oh, he's not? Uh, no. Uh, Holloway looks over Worth's head, telling him she's a doctor, and Ren takes off his boots uh, and opens one of the hatches into the a blue room. He throws the boot in, and they all watch as it gets lit on fire. Can I tell you something about uh, that I hate about these hatches and rooms? Sure. So they're in a room. You watch them open a hatch that's flush with the wall. There's a gap between the walls. Right, and then mm. seemingly there would be a hatch on the other side. Yes, but there's not. Every time they open a hatch, it's just completely open to the next room. But also, the hatch isn't like a thick hatch where it like comes down, goes in, and fills that gap. Mm-hmm. It's so that always bothers me. Every time a hatch opens, I'm like, there should be another hatch, or that wall, that hatch should be thicker. I, I don't know no, why. I think what it is is that when they open the one hatch, the other one on the other side opens automatically too. Like it goes down or whatever. Huh. I, that's, that's what, what I, I think, thought. That's what I thought too. Is that once you open one, the other one on the corresponding wall is going to open too? Hmm. That that would actually make sense, but I don't see the mechanism to do that. I don't even see the mechanism to hold the fucking hatches to the wall. So, I don't well, know. yeah, because I thought when the doctor came in and he was like kind of hiding against the wall, she's coming in and the door's already opening. That's why he knew to like get back. And how was she to... already? If she opened her side, how the fuck was? The hatch just it was already there. that's what I'm saying. The other side just automatically opened. That's what I, I thought. But I don't oh, know. yeah, I don't know. I gotta rewatch it. I, I didn't think too. <laughs> I did, unfortunately, <laughs> it took me out of the movie, and that's where I give up. This is a 0. 0.5. No, I did, um, I did, I did like the fact that you could see that it's like um drawer hinges on the oh, door. Really? Like, if you slow, if you look at it, you can see it's like drawer hinges with like deck screws into the side of it. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, I love this. This is some that, that's some real government. Built 
yeah cube. you guys are getting it. into the hardware <laughs> well yeah and like the fucking thing to like open the hatches is just like simple pipes <laughs> that you can get at a hardware store i, I love that. the caps <laughs> it made me so happy because i'm just like man i'm pretty sure kyle and i probably built something built like lightsabers yeah <laughs> we, we built, built lightsabers <laughs> yeah we built lightsabers out of them so at a, at a pvc shit. pipe and galvanized pipe <laughs> yes uh okay so quentin oh, tries to get everyone to remember what was happening before they wound up there but no one can quite remember but they all rule out uh they rule out that, you know, obviously it's government and aliens doing this to them. Levin starts to freak out and Quentin tells her it'll be okay. He's a cop and that they'll all get through it. Just paraphrasing here. Um, so we learned that, of course, Holloway's a doctor. Quentin's a cop. Ren throws his boot into a red room and after nothing happens, they all make their way in uh, or make their way through, and even st- like they go into a green room, and then you eventually learn that the colors don't really have anything to do with anything. Um, it's just a change of scenery, and I guess to differentiate when they're in one room compared to another as they're going through them. They notice the rooms have numbers by the hatches, and when uh, they worry about the, they start to kind of worry about the room numbers. Uh, they also worry about like food, water, that kind of stuff. But Ren just tells them like. To suck on buttons from their clothes, I guess, because it'll help them last. Saliva, a bit, yeah, yeah, last a little bit longer. I, that I thought that that was going to have something to do with something later, and it really doesn't either. So, um, after making their way through some rooms, they open a hatch, but Ren says not to go in because the air seems too dry. And when Quentin questions Ren about how he knows so much about sensors. Uh, he realizes that he's Ren, the famous escape artist, and I guess he's escaped from many different prisons. Seven prisons. You know, and I, and I love when he starts, when he, his whole thing about him being this escape artist, he's very much like, shut up all you whippersnappers, like, I can do this, I, I you know, <laughs> I'm tired of all you guys, like, I'm over all this, <laughs> only to eventually make a fatal mistake of his own. Yeah, it literally at this point, he hops down into a room and gets acid shot into his face. Yeah. And Which they, th- you could have cut there and it would have been fine. Yeah. And they decided to go a little bit further with that, which is what I, I, I appreciate a lot in this movie. They say, we're going to double down when we do something. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the most part, yeah. Not always, but for the most part. Yeah. On some of the key kills. There are some times where I'm just like, um, you could have you yeah. showed that. Elaborated a little. <laughs> Uh, they open the hatch again and pull him through into the room with them, and they watch kind of as he writhes in pain as his face is melting away in front of them. Which, like Rob said, very good effect. Very surprised they put that much effort, honestly, with that low of a budget into this. Quentin tries to figure out why everyone's there and who everyone is. Levin says she's just a boring student, and Worth says he's just a guy who works in a building, doing building things or something like that. Uh, Quentin says his purpose is his kids, three of them, uh, and then he tells them all to like find their reason to live and try to get out of there. Uh, he realizes that they are that they removed uh, all of Holloway's jewelry, but they left Levin's glasses, and that can't be random or an accident. Which again, you would think it would have a lot more of a payoff later. Like they they put in these like these little lines or like things that they say, but it never really pays off. Uh, but then Quentin um, 
has her like look at some of the numbers and like on the rooms and Levin realizes that the rooms with prime numbers are the ones that are trapped. To test her theory, she hops into the next room and they are all safe. They make their way through the cubes rooms. Uh, time passes and then Holloway starts to get antsy because she wants to smoke again. Something that never really pays off. It's just something she says and they're like, okay, that's the end of that. Just glad we're filling time with a little bit of dialogue. Um, they get to a green room where all the hatches contain prime numbers and they think they need to backtrack, but Quentin points out the hatch on the ceiling. He climbs up to read the numbers in the hatch, but when he opens it, Kazan falls through. I think that's how it's pronounced. Mm-hmm. Uh, he stands up, noticing the r- room is green and starts knocking his head onto a wall. Quentin has Holloway check him out, and she deems that he is mentally handicapped. Who would have thought? I <laughs> wow! I'm glad the doctor figured that one out. Um, yeah, but he really. But nowadays, I I think they would just say, "Yeah, he's autistic." Like he's autistic. Yeah, yeah. but they're like, "Oh, he's an idiot. He's a mongol. <laughs> he's a right. he's, he's a mongoloid." Um, when Quentin starts climbing to get into the room, Kazan came from. He starts to freak out a little bit, and Holloway says that they shouldn't uh, make him climb up there right away. And then, I want to say there's like a cut and a transition, but you don't really see where they go from there if they're not making him climb. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do they backtrack? I don't know. Um, Holloway asks if maybe they were brought to Mexico, pointing out how large the structure is. It has to be, uh, or how large it has to be for so many large rooms and suggests that maybe it's the government. Um, but Quint thinks desert. that it could maybe be a rich person, like just messing with them and then laughing it off. Holloway hops into the next room that was cleared by Levin and immediately starts gasping for air. And everyone starts to kind of have a quick panic attack about it. And then she swallows as everyone realizes she was just choking on her button. Again, something that <laughs> never pays off. It just, <laughs> That it pays little, off. Like, choke on it, man. Like, oh my god! And then that's it. <laughs> it was great. I mean, it was. I love how they were all like, "It's gas." Yeah. <laughs> and right. she's like, "Well, I got gas, but I also choked on my button." Okay. <laughs> uh, Holloway goes back into the room where with Kazan, who's having an episode, and calms him down. Levin clears another room, and Quentin climbs in, but. Just in time, uh, Levin catches the wires surrounding him, and he jumps out from between the wires just before they all like twist and start to braid together uh, where they would have killed him, but Quentin makes it out with just a cut on his leg. He climbs it back into the room with Levin and Worth, and then is joined by Holloway, who checks out his leg for him. Quentin gets annoyed by Kazan, still having mental like breakdown, a little meltdown, if you will, and uh, they send Worth over to take care of it. And while Worth is gone, Quentin tells the others that Worth knew about the room and the trap and that there's something he's not telling them. He can just read it on him because he's a cop. That's what he does. I read people. He knows. Well, he's got to blame what's her name, Levin, because she said it was okay to go in. Very true. And it's at that moment that they realize that prime numbers are nothing to do with anything, apparently. Uh, Worth comes back with Kazan. Oh yeah, somewhere along the line too. Maybe it's in the very beginning with the prime numbers thing. Uh, or as they're traveling, they realize that there's a room with like oh wait, no, that's not it, right? That's not yet? 
I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Worth comes back with Kazan, and after some time passes, Kazan has to pee. Uh, this sets everyone off, and Worth and Quentin have a back and forth. Quentin accuses Worth of acting like he doesn't care and tells him to hop into the next room and just kill himself if he doesn't have the will to live. And Worth says that he has a will, he's just being real, and that they can't get out. Quentin calls bullshit and asks why uh, they would leave clues, and Worth finally blows up, yelling that there's no way out, and this is kind of where like the record scratches, because everyone's like, "Wait, what do you mean? There's no way out?" Uh, when Holly questions him, uh, Quentin asks who he is and says, uh, "Eventually, Worth says that he was contacted uh, or contracted to build the outer shell of the cube, but knows nothing about the inside or what the numbers mean." And they ask him who's behind it, and he says he doesn't know. They ask who hired him. He says he doesn't know. He never even left his office. He would just talk to somebody on the phone, and that was it. He was just doing his day-to-day job, getting paid, you know? <laughs> uh, Holloway essentially says it's compartmentalization, which, again, he's just doing his job. Like, they're keeping everyone separate, so nobody knows the whole truth. Um, yeah. And again, says that it's the government kind of showing off her, like, tinfoil hat here and her paranoia because she really starts to have a breakdown. And I think she might be on QAnon, but I'm really not sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Worth says that that there's no conspiracy. No one's in charge. Big Brother's not watching you. He says that uh, nothing is at the head and that it has no purpose or point. Um, Worth kind of eggs on Quentin, who so he turns to Worth and starts punching him in the stomach. But they stop Quentin, telling Quentin that they need him since he's the only person that knows anything about the room or what's going on or anything. Or not the room, the cube overall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Levin eventually asks if there's any doors, like I guess on the shell of it or the outside, and Worth says that there's one, but he doesn't know where they placed it. Uh, he tells her the dimensions of the cube, and she determines that the cube is 26 rooms by 26 rooms, which means what 26, 26 by 26 by 26 rooms by 26 rows. Yeah. So she determines that there's 17,576 rooms in the cube. uh, And Levin then realizes the numbers that they saw are coordinates inside the cube. So they come up with a little game plan on how to navigate through the cube. And then while moving, Levin realizes that the coordinates are starting to not make sense anymore. So she was actually wrong. Yeah. Great. Great time to be wrong. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean... At least she's trying, you know? Listen, she puts in more effort, effort than anybody else. So. Yeah, A for, for sure. If, if they didn't have her, like, fuck everyone else. If she wasn't there, then they would have never gotten anything ever, anywhere <laughs> at all. If I was in there, I would have just went into a room and said, whatever happens, happens. Based on these rules, you might have, you might have survived. Yeah. yeah. Right? Just stay there and cry. Mark's philosophy of do absolutely nothing and wait for, wait for the end might have actually caused him to survive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You wouldn't went to the Winchester for sure. <laughs> he doesn't get that joke. No, he doesn't. He what left too early. <laughs> Shaun of the Dead. Uh, I don't like that movie. It sucks. Uh, they came across a room where the traps inside are activated by sound, and Quentin decides that they're going to go through, uh, but they're going to leave behind Kazan because 
or Kazan because he constantly makes fucking noise, you know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Insert the clip. Listen. <laughs> I don't have to tell y'all. You get what I'm saying. You're picking up what I'm putting down. Uh, hallway protests. <laughs> and in the end, Worth sticks up for Kazan saying that uh, he will be quiet and that they can take him. And it's Worth's turn. So he climbs into the room first. Uh, boot in his mouth to check the other rooms for traps. He finds a room that is seemingly safe and Quentin starts feeding the others down so that they, they can make their way through the room too. First Levin, who makes it through, then Holloway comes down, but has Worth move on because she'll, she pretty much, without saying it, she says she'll wait for Kazan. Worth goes through with Levin and Kazan goes down. Uh, he gets his foot caught on the hatch uh, knob thing he at the bottom. There. <laughs> and uh, uh, where am I? At? Oh, so Holloway like uh, stops him before he's going to make a noise and she then spins him free and they both go into the next room. Uh, but when Quentin starts to climb down, he notices that the door Kazan was stuck on is about to open and make a noise. Uh, so he starts to race to the room to meet everyone, and he freezes just as the trap door in the uh, the floor is about to open, kind of like in fear, taking a deep breath, like, oh my god, here it comes, and then nothing happens. And just as he's relieved, of course, Kazan <laughs> fucking has to make a noise. Uh, I guess that's one of his little ticks, and uh, <laughs> Quentin has to launch himself into the room before being impaled by rods that shoot from the walls. Very intense scene. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, My thought for this room is like, okay, so you know the cubes are lined up next to each other. Where are these long-ass fucking rods coming from? They're like the lightsabers from Walmart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They They pop into themselves. Gotcha. They fold into each other. Gotcha. gotcha, gotcha. Dodged that one. All right. (laughs) What's what's the next one? <laughs> Am I thinking too hard about this? I, I, just so. a but I usually do that. Just, so just a little bit. Uh, Quentin grabs Enjoy Kazan, the but Holloway stops him from hurting Kazan. Quentin gets into Holloway's face, saying some personal things about her, saying he knows things about her. And when she says something about his wife leaving him, Quentin hits her. She asks if he hits his kids too, and that kind mm. of snaps him out of it. And Levin points out that they are at the edge of the cube, so Quentin tells Worth to open the hatch. He opens it, and they see the outer shell kind of. Uh, there's like a gap, and then the outer shell, but it's dark out there. So Holloway says she'll go out to see if the door to the shell is out there. Uh, she tells Worth that her, like her and Worth, have a little like buddy moment and she says her name's Helen and he says his name's David uh, they also reveal um, or he reveals that he knew for a couple of months that they were putting people into the cube he just didn't know like who why what it did anything like that it just like the more his character's kind of like has that, that onion effect where like it just more and more is kind of unraveling about him but leading to more questions yeah uh, they make a rope from their clothes and she goes out the hatch when she gets to the edge of the rope uh, she tries swinging to the outer shell but on her third swing everyone kind of lets go except for Quentin who's barely able to stop her from falling into the abyss outside and she climbs back up the rope and latches onto Quentin's arm 
her look turns from leave to dread as she realizes that uh, he's not pulling her up into the hatch. And uh, suddenly he lets go and she falls screaming into the dark, like pit below. He goes back in pretending to be upset that she slipped. <laughs> that was a real uh, Scar Mufasa moment Damn! right there. <laughs> uh, he goes over to Levin to comfort her and she says that uh, they have to get to the bottom because that'll be the easiest way. Oh no, he says that, that that'll be the easiest way to drop out of the cube to the outside shell. Uh, she says she can't think anymore because, you know, they haven't had food, water, or anything like that. They're starting to feel a little woozy, if you will. <laughs> so he just starts to like carry her into a separate room uh, from Worth and Kazan, and then bodyguard, he starts bodyguard style. Yeah, he yeah. starts. <laughs> what like fucking Dave Chappelle? No fucking no. Um, Kevin Costner, Kevin Costner, Winnie Houston. Oh, uh, <laughs> thought you were talking about like in fucking the Chappelle show skit with uh making the band when he's P Diddy and it's like they're carrying him around drinking the breast milk. <laughs> 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 Cambodian breast milk. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, I don't know. He starts getting like a little creepy. Uh, little. Saying, yeah. He <laughs> says that him and her are the key, and that little rapey. Uh, yeah, he will bring her. <laughs> yeah. He will bring her to the bottom so she can think. And a man and the woman are the key, and he will slip her in. Uh, and then he starts to like grope her, and she kind of like gets up and backs away. She's like, "What the fuck?" Bro, it's really which was, weird. How which was also to... also hinted at by Holloway earlier. What about him and younger girls? Oh, I oh. Said, oh was yeah it? because yeah because when she was saying when she was saying like oh I bet you beat your kids and stuff like that too and she goes no wonder mm-hmm. why your marriage ended and she goes apparently you have a thing for for young girls too. Uh, oh, I didn't. I missed that one. I must yeah, be she, typing. She, yeah, she did a little stabby <laughs> stab there with that, and I was like, oh, yeah. okay, so that ex- that explains That's why he's the... letter. <laughs> Like since the beginning, he's been like, "You're you're my one and only, baby. You're you want want you like numbers. You can have mine." Like he's being real <laughs> obvious about it throughout the film, it gets worse. And I love like just the hand on the shoulder would have been enough in this scene, but then he's already got the crazy eyes, and he's like he's like doing he's doing like a little sniff over the shoulder too. Like I don't know, man. It's, cool. <laughs> it, it's well, wild. Well, it's kind of weird that like she says she can't even think. She has no energy to even move. But then when he starts getting a little gropey, she kind of is like, "Oh, well, now I got her energy. I'm out of here. Fuck yeah. this. What is happening?" Second wind. Yeah. <laughs> she's, she's she's like, "So you're the trap in this cube. I get it." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, then Worth comes in, knocking Quentin over, and Kazan joins them. Quentin accuses Worth and Kazan of being spies and says Holloway had knowledge about him and his family, uh, but she slipped up. She said too much. Uh, and then Levin realizes Quentin purposely dropped Holloway. He's like, oh, she's like, oh, you fucking dropped her. Mm-hmm. Which I yeah, thought like, would have like, been like obvious my wife. Like a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they say to get uh, give them the boot. And he's like, oh, you want the fucking boot? So he like swings <laughs> it at Worth, knocking him down. Uh, you, goes, you don't want you don't want the boot. Yeah, <laughs> goes to Levin saying she doesn't want the boot, and then starts beating Worth with it. And they're just like Kazan and like Levin are just like, okay, this is happening. I don't, I'm sitting there. I'm like, well, this probably explained why he doesn't have his wife and kids, right? He, he probably seemed like he was a regular cop. I think he was a CO, bro. <laughs> <laughs> like he's he's used to beating people too much, you know. He's the one who says, "Unplug the camera." Yeah, <laughs> turn the camera away. Turn the camera. <laughs> Uh, but my then, body camera fell off in the bathroom. 
But then yeah. he opens the hatch in the floor and throws Worth down, and Worth hits the floor and starts hysterically laughing once they all kind of realize that, like, they're back where Ren died and mm-hmm. uh, that they're all going in circles. <laughs> Love it. Quentin tries the Forest Levin to figure out, like, where they are, but she says, like, no, she refuses, uh, saying that he hasn't done anything to help except freak out, which is kind of true. He killed Mm -hmm. someone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a contribution. He lessened the load. Yeah, I guess. But there was no load to lessen, though. Like, it's not like you don't have to worry about that other person now. It's not like they had to share food. Yeah, but yet now you only have to worry about four people getting out instead of five. They had to share why'd oxygen. You, why'd you have to worry about anybody? Dude, there's fucking 26 <laughs> rooms by 26 rooms by 26 rooms. Yeah. Just never put They're me in a room with Mark. Out, <laughs> like, I think he did the right thing by killing her. Uh-huh. Wow. Um, then uh, Quentin uh, has a little moment where he realizes Worth was right and that there's no way out. And when he starts to break down a little Kazan comes over and tries to like, comfort him. <laughs> like, like patting him on the head. Yeah. Uh, Worth gets up and opens the hatch in the wall asking why there is nothing out there. Talking about like into the outer shell. And Quentin mm-hmm. says they're at the edge but Worth notes that like that hatch that leads to the outer shell used to be the room that killed Ren. Mm-hmm. So Quentin tries to like blow him off and then Worth explains again like bro there used to be a room <laughs> Right fucking here. So, like, we have to be shifting, or the rooms are shifting, and that's the mechanical noises that we heard earlier, uh, which revitalizes Levin. She starts figuring out, like, the numbers. She figures out, uh, she figures it out, says that she knows where the exit is, pointing out the room with the coordinate. Because earlier, this is what I was talking about earlier, there was a room um, when they thought they the numbers were coordinates. One of the coordinates was outside of the cube. Oh it yeah. It makes sense to her. She's like, this doesn't make sense because mm-hmm. there's a number that's too big. This would be outside the cube. So this, these can't be coordinates. Um, mm-hmm. Then she realizes that's the bridge to escape. Um, so she, you know, uh, they figure out like that. The room is the bridge. Uh, and when it's in its proper location, they can escape. She starts doing the math, and she says that she can get them to the bridge, but it'll be in position for them to leave in just two more moves of the rooms. Uh, they ask if she can calculate the trapped rooms like into the equations to get them through the cube, and uh, she says that she can't. She would need a computer because those numbers are too big to figure out. Too astronomical. Too Mm -hmm. astronomical. And then Kazan starts to speak up about factors, uh, and they realize that he's actually a mathematical genius. He's a little bit of a rain man, if you will. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because that movie was out, right? What year did Rain Man come out? Like the 80s? 84, I think. Was it 80s? Or 88? 88. It was like the late 80s. Yeah, so they just copied that. They said, we'll just make this guy autistic and good at math, too. That's easy enough. Makes sense. Um, he figures out a room is safe, and Quentin confirms it by throwing Worth through. Uh, they start to make their way through rooms, but Worth is tired of Quentin's bullshit, so when he's climbing into a room, Worth starts to close a hatch on his throat, and when his it's just his head sticking through. and uh, Which, how did that not kill him? Like, that was on his throat. Because he's pushing <laughs> up, but he's 
fighting it too. I don't know. I, I mean, like just the way it hit him, that should have crushed his windpipe. Like, yeah, but if both doors open at the same time, his body's sticking out on the other side, saving mm-hmm. him. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's uh, yeah. You're right. Okay, you get you, you win this round. Yeah, only because <laughs> I'm using your own logic. You're right, you right. guys. <laughs> I found the flaw. Okay. Um, <laughs> But uh, they get away from him just for a moment. But when he comes through in a rage, looking for Worth, Worth opens the door below his feet and he falls to the room below, hitting his head. Then Worth, Levin, and Kazan go through some more rooms and open a hatch and watch as a room falls into place uh, for them to head directly into it. Worth and Levin go through the hatch, but Kazan takes too long and the room he's in drops before they can get him into the room with them. And suddenly... They feel doomed. They're like, fuck, we needed that genius. <laughs> uh, he has a... Uh, the fuck do they call it? Neurodivergence? That makes people sound like superheroes, so they need that superhero. <laughs> Something like that. Um, <laughs> but then they can still hear him yelling, so they know that his room hasn't gone too far. Uh, they open a couple of doors, and Worth finds him and tells him he has to climb to them. Uh, Levin starts... On uh, Levin starts, uh, she sorry, she steps on a piece of glass and realizes it's from the glasses that broke earlier, which also means that the room's next move brings it to the bridge. And Worth they can... were at the the ex the exit the whole time. Yes. <laughs> uh, Worth convinces Kazan to climb up by bribing him with twenty seven bags of gumdrops. They don't come in boxes; they come in bags. You owe me five gumdrops. No, actually, it's twenty-seven. <laughs> they all wow! You do an autistic impersonation pretty well, Mark. <laughs> I, learned, bro. I got it from petting a horse. It's a superpower. <laughs> he caught it in Texas. <laughs> well, if you're gonna catch it anywhere, that would be the place. <laughs> Shut your. <laughs> Why do you think I was sick that Saturday night? It was in my right? body, forcing <laughs> through my veins. Because you ate nacho cheese. Yeah, it got me sick. The it was autistic the nacho, nacho cheese got me. Uh, they all join up in a room for the first, uh, just in time for it to start moving. Eleven points out that if they, that's the room that they all started in, and they should have never moved in the first place. A room, uh, they get to the bridge, uh, or they get to where the bridge should be, and Kazan points out that it's red. Uh, he clears the numbers, but starts covering his eyes because he doesn't like red rooms. Uh, he opens the last hatch, which should lead to the outside, and they see the bright light shining through from the outside, the natural sunlight, if you will. Uh, Worth sits down and he tells Levin to go ahead, uh, saying that he has nothing to live for out there. And she asks what is out there, and he says, boundless human stupidity. We hear a hatch open in the background, and as Levin says that she can live with that, uh, she is stabbed from behind by Quentin, lifted into the air, and dropped. Reminiscent of Halloween 2, Michael Myers and the nurse. Yeah. Uh, he attacks, uh, Worth attacks Quentin, but Quentin gets the jump on him and stabs him in the stomach too. Uh, then Quentin starts to reach for Kazan, but Kazan climbs through the hatch and out the exit. Quentin goes for him, grabbing uh, his shirt, but he's stopped. Um, and the room starts shaking. Uh because the room's obviously getting ready to move again. Uh, half out, he can't escape because Worth is pulling on him, keeping him half in the room, half outside the room. And as the room shifts to the side and falls down, um, 
to the bottom part of the cube. It leaves a blood trail on the side of the shell or whatever. Uh, which is the only part where they should show something and then they don't. This is what I was talking about, Rob. Yeah, there was a lot of buildup here that just did not execute and it drove me nuts because I was like, yeah. this could be the PS de resistance. Like, this could be the kill of kills. And you did a cutaway with a what looks like a cheap Microsoft paint smear. Well, you got to think, <laughs> CGI was awful back then. Um, and they got it for free, so yeah. I guess I guess, I guess choosers. I guess you could have just thought you could have seen like maybe like cutaway and like a leg ripped off or something. I don't know. Yeah, they didn't. They should have done something, but then they didn't. But again, I think it was just a budgetary thing. Um, and then Worth lays back, crawls over to Levin, dying next to her because you know, in the end, she's friend. He'd rather die with her in there than going outside. I guess. Uh, Kazan on the outside turns, walks out into the bright light of the exit, and the credits start to roll. And I don't know if you guys saw, but there was supposed to be another scene after this of the outside of the cube when Kazan walks out, and that was one of the first things that once editing started, they threw that shit out. They said, actually, mm -hmm. we're not showing the outside of this cube. Mm -hmm. And that's it. That's cube. So, um, Maria, I feel like you never go first, so let's hear from you. <laughs> oh, thank you. Finally. Um, so I have seen this movie before, um, I, but it's literally been like since 1999, maybe, when I watched this for the first time. Um, and I never saw it again, and, and now I remember why I never wanted to watch this movie again. <laughs> it is... It's not a horror movie to me. I, you know, I've seen other things online and they call it a horror movie. It's just not in my book. It's not something that I'm not a big fan of thrillers. It's not something that I would go. So Marie, if you for. were trapped in a cube like this, you wouldn't be scared. It wouldn't be horrifying. I mean, of course. No, I'm not saying it's not intense and tense like it is, but that's not to me. A horror movie is the typical slasher, bloody gourd like that's making me jump scare that now this did have elements of horror but i wouldn't call it a horror movie i'd call it a thriller with horror elements um and yeah it was uh for the time when i first saw it back then the special effects were amazing they still kind of hold up i mean there's some cgi that's just like uh whatever it's not that great but the practical effects are still really good um and that kind of leads me to my least favorite and favorite kills so the least favorite is obviously quentin i mean he's like the villain and they just kind of you know end him with a little splatter on the side of the shell which is whatever it was terrible um but my favorite kill was ren and i feel like it's because it was a practical effect that you could see and it still looks really good and creepy so i did like that one a lot um but you know, it was impressive for the budget. The more that I um, searched up about the, the making of the movie, <clears throat> they didn't really have a big budget at all, but they made it look kind of um, futuristic, obviously, but it was impressive for the small amount that it had. Um, the acting was not that great to me. Uh, I think it was a lot of theater overacting in some parts. I think Quentin did a lot of that too. This is probably, it was giving me like TV movie vibes. Like if I would have seen this as a TV movie in the 90s, I would have like remembered it and searched out for it. 
but it was like a big motion picture. I thought they could have done more. Um, yeah, and I think it was a little drawn out. The transitions, like Rob said, it was a little drawn out. I feel like the point of the movie was there, but it was just a lot of like the clues that they were leading up to never really led anywhere. That's what that I'm was saying. kind of frustrating. Huh? That's what I'm saying. Like they would say things and put things yes. into the movie. And I think it was literally just there to have some kind of dialogue that fills time. Yeah. Yeah. Not I'm like, any, okay, so they're doing something with the button. Nothing. Nothing had to pay off. There was nothing, you know, that would lead you. Like they, they focused on things so much that I thought, okay, well, we'll save that in my pocket. For it's going to be a callback. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> never did. Um, let me see. Yeah. Oh, and so they had, um, when I was looking this up, they had other cube movies, but there is a Japanese re like remake that they did. And that one is more, it's from 2021. So it's fairly recent, but that one, even in the previews looked more interesting <laughs> to me than the entire, the entirety of this movie. It just wasn't one of my favorites. I have to give it a two and a half out of five. Um, what about you, Rob? So I had never seen the cube before. It's just cube. I, yeah. The oh, cube. cube. A cube. Cubes. You know, there's also cube. a movie called Sphere. I did know that. And I have seen that. I did there's know that. Called Circle? Vegas. Oh, the <laughs> one where the CEO just quit or whatever. Mm -hmm. um. <laughs> so right off the bat, I'm going to give this film a two out of five. Um, I'm not a huge fan of it. Uh, I I guess I would disagree with Marie on this one because I do see it as a horror film. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it is a horror film. It, it contains the elements of horror. Um, and is it your stereotypical horror film as we know it through the ma through mainstream horror in terms of like the slasher and the elements that we think of when we go to see a popular horror movie? I would say no, but it's very... It, in my opinion, you can't call this... You can't call this... Not a horror film, but call call Saw a horror film, mm -hmm. because it's very clear that Saw has some inspired elements from this mm -hmm. for sure, um, and a lot of that torture porn genre that came later. You could see how this really was maybe the beginning of that that leaning in horror or that breakaway in mm -hmm. horror, which would become popularized by Saw. But there's a couple things that hold this back from being a super successful indie film like say it follows could be right um let's just look at what makes it follows a success the cinematography the camera work unbelievable and it follows once again it's an indie film not a high budget look at the cube camera works all over the place yes they use the handheld stuff but that just made me nauseous in the beginning of the film uh there were a lot of weird angles low cuts high cuts shaky cam some strange movements juxtaposed with fixed cam so going from like moving shaky cam to like perfectly fixed cam, not really, wasn't really working for me. Uh, they they kind of corrected about midway to the film and they started just relying almost exclusively on um, fixed camera angles. Uh, maybe they did that to create a sense of anxiety. It just didn't really work for me. Um, going back to It Follows, uh, It Follows had an incredible cast of individuals who gave like stellar performances. I thought the acting in this was atrocious. Um, and I don't know if that's because of the way it was filmed. So it was filmed disjointed. I'm not sure. Is that they're Canadian? I, possibly. <laughs> um, but like, you gotta cut a lot of sorry when people sorry. ask. Like, <laughs> that's sorry. 
that first scene where um what's her face uh let me look at Alderson? when levin Alder? when, when oh. levin sorry one of the first scenes when levin was in the other room and quentin's like stop and she's supposed to look scared it looked like she oh, might yeah. have crapped her pants <laughs> like she didn't know whether to be surprised or scared she was like running the gambit of acting emotions uh, no, exactly what you're talking and, about and there are times when Wait, when like quentin's like tries to act serious but like He's like almost like high school stage actor overacting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I don't know what you're doing with your eyes or what you think you're doing with <laughs> your eyes, but you're trying to be like that guy and you're not him. So I don't know yeah. what to tell you. Not that guy, pal. You're not that guy. Uh, <laughs> it also he, sounds like he's trying to fight an accent. Yeah, maybe. I thought he is British. I but think then, he's like Canadian, but British, French? I don't British know. Columbian? I thought he was British. British. I don't know. But it's what it is, British Columbia. Oh yeah, she's from the south. She literally doesn't know anything. That's from District know. of Columbia. Um, but I think it sounds like he's trying to fight an accent most of the time. So like but, his deliveries are weird. But like David Hewlett is by far the best actor in the group. Oh, and yeah. so when you put David Hewlett against Maurice Wint, who plays Quentin, and you put the two of them in that mot, like in those scenes together, Hewlett's just acting circles around him. Yeah, and he he is like just. Like PS1 graphics trying to catch up to PS3, there it's just this is not working. Like mm-hmm. it, it's just not it's not doing it for me. Honestly, the best actor in the whole thing is probably Andrew Miller as uh, Kazan. Yeah, Kazan. Yeah. He's probably the best actor in the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Like honestly, yeah. Old me. I got a lot like, of a lot of uh, lines. So yeah, he does a great job. He's <laughs> fantastic. Um, I mean, there are little details like the fact that like all the characters are are get their arcs natural. Like, <laughs> I I get what they were trying to do the with horse. the horse. Right, like they, they, all the characters' names come from different prisons, prisons and institutions. Yes. Like yes. I get, like it's supposed to be a commentary on prison systems and uh, whatever. Like it's fun, cool, but it just doesn't work. And you get moments where it rides high and the kills are great, and then, like Maria said, you get to the end there, and it's just like almost like that cat reel, where it's like, huh? Like that's how <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I love that. Better cat, as it, by the it's way. better as a fish. Oh. Oh, <laughs> like that's how I felt. That's how I, I felt at the that. end of this movie. Um, and I have no problem leaving off, leaving things ambiguous. Yeah, but it's like overtly ambiguous to a point yeah. where it's like, well, do, where where do I go from here? Like, I don't know. So, um, I just feel like there were several times where I was getting into it, and the acting really took me out of it. Holloway's actor was terrible. I just didn't think just, like her lines drove me nuts. Um. I don't know if you're if you're scared or having a neurotic breakdown or if you are just you forgot to eat. I don't know what it was. It just was bad. I don't know if it was just it was a mix of bad direction, whatever. Um, the other thing that I didn't like was the transitions. There were times where you know, like when they do those trippy transitions where they play like the oh. like the like the new age alternative music in the background that made no <laughs> sense at all. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you doing? You had like this crazy like dark moment someone died and it's like yeah chippy exactly i'm like okay whatever that's that sets the tone great wasted 30 seconds on that trip on that transition (laughs) i appreciate it um so yeah and the things i can respect for what the budget they had the set great really in like they did a great job yes there were some like hokey things there whatever i think that the set was great and i think that some of the kills were incredible Mm -hmm. they were awesome Right? Like, they were creative. They were cool. They clearly influenced future horror movies. I liked mm-hmm. that. Um, but at the end of the day, it couldn't save this movie. The only reason, like I said, that's that's why I gave it a 2 instead of a 1. Just because, like, at least the kills are 
mostly redeeming and the traps and the fear of the traps is mostly redeeming um i know there is a japanese remake of this from the last like i think last year 2021 maria already said that you know like i know i know like like, but i've never seen that and i think that maybe that should be our next film because i know mark likes subtitles so i'm sure he wants to read i'm just kidding i'm not doing that um only one movie I want to watch is Oppenheimer. Okay. Show those motherfuckers <laughs> another bomb. I mean, if you watch Godzilla, it's the same thing. Just a two-legged nuke. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah. Two out of five. Um, probably wouldn't recommend... Unless you're like really into indie horror and you just want to see it once, go ahead. But I really wouldn't recommend it for anybody casual like me. Um, favorite kill is... Definitely going to be Ren... That's sick. I liked it. Didn't have to be as drawn out as it was, but pretty cool. Um, least favorite kill is, and I'm going to echo Maria, is Quentin. Bro, give me something other than smudge strawberry pudding. Like, I, I just, please. I, I've, as much as I hated him throughout this whole movie, I really, really was, when that ending was coming and he was leg was sticking out there, I was like, oh yeah, here we go. He's going to get his. And then it's like, <laughs> awesome. Sick. Glad I wasted my time. Uh, Kyle, what did you think of the movie? I'm going to give it a 2.5 out of 5. Honestly, this movie feels like it's a precursor and a lower budget version of Saw 5. So it's funny that you said that about this movie. Um, Because it's where people have to work together to get out. And if they did that instead of fighting, everything would just be fine. But, But just like in Saw 5 which I think the reveal for that is a little bit better. Um, they don't work together, and they make things harder on themselves. Spoiler uh, alert. Never seen it. Well, there's 18 of them, so get going. <laughs> uh, I was honestly dreading watching this movie. I was like, because I've seen it like before, like the cover and I've and the concept, and I've always been like, I just don't care to watch this. Like I've seen it. I might have been on my Netflix queue back in the day when it was on Netflix, and I was just always like, I don't. Like I, I should watch this eventually, but I don't want because people had been like, "Hey, you should watch Cube," and I just dreaded watching it for this. But actually, it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be, and it kind of went by fast. I feel like it. There wasn't a lot of downtime. Um, the transitions, I didn't think that they felt dragged out. Uh, I think it was a cool concept with a small budget, and I think that's its biggest problem. Um, but to me, it was a quick and easy watch. So I, I don't know. I didn't hate it. Like, um, I would recommend it to people. I doubt it has high rewatchability, but I think it's worth a once through. Um, my favorite kill is Ren. So I'm right there with Rob. Honestly, I thought everyone would say Alderson just because like that fall away cube shit. Like I've, like just like in Resident Evil, I thought that everyone would be like, "Oh, that's my favorite." So when yeah, he got cubed in the cube. Yeah, when Rob said Ren, <clears throat> I was like, "Oh, that's my favorite too." Just because I like how like it progressively burns more and more. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that you watch it happen. Yeah. And even when he doesn't have like a face, he's still like yelling. Yeah. Um, and but my least favorite is Quentin because of course he should have had his, and we should have been able to watch. So, um, Mark. Tell us how you feel, brother. Yeah, so this has been on my list for a minute. 
and um, I've always seen that uh, that cube, the first kill with Alt Alderson, and I was like, oh, I would I would want to check this out. This looks interesting. So right off the bat, um, Quentin is the worst kill, my least favorite kill, and Ren is my favorite. Um, I I give this movie a four out of five. Um, I think the concept is very good, and I was what Rob brought up. If you don't think it's a horror movie, Saw is not a horror movie. You know, that's what this reminds me of Saw. They took ideas from this. And like Kyle said, Saw 5, they have to work together and they don't. Um, it goes by quick. I think Marie and Rob wanted like an Oscar movie, like a $200 million budget. Honestly, that's what it made it seem like you guys are like waiting for Leonardo DiCaprio to come well, out. No, the or fucking following. Margot Robbie people... coming out or something. I don't know what you guys are no, looking for, for. I'm just like, yeah. I thought it would have been more, The movie was made for $12. But... <laughs> American like, I don't dollars. Know. Yeah, twelve American dollars Listen, back in nineteen ninety seven. That's why I brought up the It Follows in comparison because they're both yeah. indie films on low budgets. Yeah, thank you. It yeah. Follows had more of a budget. It Follows could have. Yeah. Our iPhone does a better thing than nineteen ninety seven. Yeah, yeah, but that doesn't help the acting. <laughs> I, right, I don't think the acting was as bad as you guys make it seem. Yeah, but... I don't think it was either. It really know. wasn't, honestly. Um, I think the worst part is just, like I said, Quentin, like his acting feels off, but I think it's he, he's fighting an accent, honestly, mm -hmm. because this is supposed to take place in with Americans. Like, there's dialogue in it where they talk about America. So. McDonald's and hamburgers. Mm -hmm. Anyway, but, sorry. <laughs> yeah. So I, and also, I like the ending where you don't know what happens to Kazam. Um, that's another thing I wanted to say. What the fuck? This autistic guy just yeah. walks out. <laughs> and who knows where the fuck he is? He has nowhere Aww. to go. Like, Aww. is he gonna? That's survive what I'm saying. So I like that ending. You don't. You don't know what happens to that by guy. aliens. Like, what like, is? Going you don't know on what's out there. Guy. People wait outside with bats and just beat your ass if you get out. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> you won. <laughs> yeah. So uh, for me, I think it's. I want to rewatch this because I don't want to watch it while I'm like writing notes. Uh -huh. uh, so I will watch this again. Um, I recommend it. Uh, it might not be the goriest horror movie ever, but it has some some nice kills. And I will. I want to check out the other ones, but this movie almost kind of looked like a sci-fi movie. Yeah, it was like mm -hmm. right between like sci-fi and uh, actual theater release. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it just it just missed the sci-fi thing. But I think mm -hmm. it's a four out of five. It's it's interesting concept, and I won't check out the Japanese version, but I will check out like the other two. <laughs> so, Cube, nineteen ninety seven. All right, that wraps up this movie. We'll move on to the next pick. Coming soon to a theater near you. So the next pick is Rob. So Rob, what are you picking? So I decided I wanted to get us into the holiday spirit and ah, Christmas. Finally, a, a, a <laughs> approach a film that uh, changed the MPA forever. We're going to be doing the alone, infamous. <laughs> we're going to be doing the 1984 infamous horror comedy Gremlins. Steven Spielberg presents. Gremlins. They're clever. They're mischievous. They'll get into the kitchen. The basement. The garage. They'll get into anything. And once they get in... You're in for it. Gremlins. They'll be expecting you at a special sneak preview Saturday, May 19th. Directed by Joe Dante. Rated PG. Is that a horror movie? I don't even know if it's a horror movie. It's I a horror comedy. Technically, yeah. I don't know. If this ain't a horror movie, then I ain't a horror movie. 
I don't know about that one. <laughs> yeah, if we just watch this, Gremlins Mark, you're so definitely. weird. There's a lot of movies like, I would consider this a horror movie. And then this one more than two of these guys are like, it's not a horror movie. You're like, it's a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I agree. It's it is Gremlins, a horror movie. It's, this yeah. is like a psychological horror for sure. Um, yeah. It's got creatures. It's Gre- well, I'm not talking about it. Gremlins, Gremlins is, Gremlins anyway, is a horror comedy. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Well, scary mo- scary movie is a horror comedy. <laughs> yeah, we did that one. scary, though. It's got it right in the title. Yeah, was, I love it. Great, another one I'm not looking forward to. The last three times I tried watching Gremlins, I was falling asleep. Oh, because it wake. It's cute. All right, well, there we go. The next pick is uh, Gremlins. What year did you say it was? 1984. 1984. Damn, already can't believe it. Um, yeah, and that's it for us. Uh, if you would please give, give us money, rate and re- oh. well that too. A re- uh, I'll give you my Venmo Cash App. I don't have Cash App, but I'll make one just if you want to give me money. Sell. Um, I don't have Zell either, but I will make one if you want to give me money. Um, <laughs> if you'd like to email us to reach out to suggest anything, recommend anything. Uh, if you want us to watch a movie that you want us to talk about, uh, you can email us at vintageharpod at gmail.com, or you can find us on Instagram at vintageharpodcast. We have a Twitter slash X at vintagehar underscore. And um, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. I think you can actually type a review now on Spotify for podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, leave us a rating there. And uh, that's it for us. See ya. Bye. See ya. See ya later. Well, I'm on Dizzy Chart Podcast.